1: What's up Raider Nation, welcome into another episode of the Locked On Raiders podcast on this Wednesday, November 25th, 2020, getting closer to Turkey Day, Thanksgiving, coming up tomorrow on November 26th, but uh, today it is Wednesday, and so what we're going to do is we're going to have Crossover Wednesday on today's show. Before I get into the details though, of today's show, let me go ahead and tell you about the title sponsor, which is Pepsi. This football season is very, very, very different. Pepsi's here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Passionate fans. They're the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It is made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. And don't forget, go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. So like I said a little earlier, uh, today is going to be Crossover Wednesday. All season long we've been doing it on Thursday. The next team up on the schedule, we go ahead and uh, you know kind of preview them with the host of whatever show that is. So this week, it would be Aaron Freeman host the Locked On Falcons, but since Thursday is uh, t- Turkey Day, Thanksgiving, uh, don't want to go ahead and, and do it on that day. Want to make sure we get it in, so we're going to do it today, Crossover Wednesday, like it was a year ago. So coming up on the show in segment number three, in segment number two, you're going to hear Crossover Wednesday. You'll hear Aaron Freeman, host of the Locked On Falcons, talking all things Falcons. You'll hear myself talking all things Raiders, and we'll talk about this week's matchup. You know, the Raiders coming off a tough loss to Kansas City, and the Falcons coming off a loss to the Saints a game where they really got embarrassed by not Drew Brees, but Taysom Hill. So right now they're sitting at 3-7 and seven overall on the season, and the Raiders are sitting at 6-4 and four and want to get back into the win column. So coming up in segment number two and segment number three, you will hear the crossover edition here on this crossover Wednesday, special edition here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. Here in segment number one, I want to give you the news and the notes of the day. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. So the first piece of news doesn't have anything to do with the active roster or the active Raiders team, but got to shout out the GOAT, man. When I talk about the GOAT, I talk about C. Wood, Charles Woodson, first time he has an a opportunity to get into the Hall of Fame, he has already made it as a semifinalist. So he's one of four first-year eligible players, Jared Allen, Calvin Johnson, Peyton Manning, and Charles Woodson among the 25 semifinalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2021. And just very excited by that because C-Wood is, no doubt about it, going to be a first-ballot Hall of Famer. Really, I look at all those guys, and outside of Jared Allen, Jared Allen, I think, was a really, really good player, and I think he makes the Hall of Fame. He might not make it on the first ballot. Calvin Johnson, I think, no doubt about it. Peyton Manning, no doubt about it but Seawood is what I'm here to talk about. Very excited about him. Uh, him and Tom Flores will be going in uh, basically at the same time this year. So it's going to be two Raiders inducted into the Hall of Fame in this calendar year of 2021. So I'm excited about that. But Charles Woodson is my guy. And anyone who was out at Sahara Las Vegas on a Saturday night at the Casbar Lounge saw me rocking a 24 jersey, and that's for C. Wood because that's my favorite, my favorite Raider of all time. No doubt about it was Charles Woodson. But uh, that jersey right there, that 24, and I know a lot of people said, Q, I thought you don't wear jerseys, I don't. That was just a, a special one, a special night. That's the one that the Locked On Raider Podcast family got for me. That says your boy Q on the back of it, so I wore that at the Casbar Lounge as We had the meet and greet uh, there on Saturday night there in, in Las Vegas, and uh, that's the reason why the number twenty four is for Charles Woodson. So uh, I normally don't wear jerseys, but that night I thought it was uh, really important to go ahead and do it and rock it and you know represent you know. And so again, that was a that was a gift from the Locked On Raiders Podcast family, and I definitely appreciate that. But most importantly, man, shout out to Charles Woodson. He's going to be going into the hall of Fame. Again, it was absolutely a no-doubter, you know, but uh, just to see that there is no kind of confusion and that uh, that everyone on the committee says, oh yeah, this dude is absolutely going to jump in there. That's that's awesome. Another member of the Silver and Black uh, entering the Hall of Fame. That's going to be great. Next up, I did want to give an update on some players on the roster. How about Trent Brown? Talked about him quite a bit. Looks like he's going to be coming back sooner rather than later and attempting to play some more this season. Uh, According to Vic Tafer from The Athletic, he said he's about two to three weeks out. So don't expect him this week. Don't expect him next week maybe he'll come back the week after it's about two to three weeks out so I guess technically he could come back against the Jets but uh, if I'm a betting man I would say he's probably going to come back versus the Colts but anyway we'll see we'll see if he stays on track and is good to go but Trent Brown will not be playing this week Probably won't be playing next week. Most likely, in my opinion, if everything stays good and he stays on the right track, we'll probably be playing against the Colts, which we all know is going to be a huge game. But the Raiders got to go ahead and handle their business the next two weeks before they can even worry about that game. And also, uh, Vinny Bonsignor from uh, the Las Vegas Review-Journal and also Raider Nation Radio 920 said that uh, FYI, Raiders are all clear today on COVID-19 tests. Uh, expect an update in the next day or so on the availability of Klee Corey Littleton and LaMarcus Joyner relative to coming off the COVID-19 reserve list and I'll tell you right now, I'm not worried about Corey Littleton and I'm not worried about, well, yeah I think that Cleve Ferrell, I would like to see them all get back because you want them to be healthy <laughs> let me make no mistake about that, but uh, Cleve Ferrell is really, really needed in a major way, man. You saw when he wasn't out there, how how bad that and how poor that Raiders run defense was Cleve Ferrell is needed in a major way, so I really hope he, he comes back this week against Atlanta. Corey Littleton, it'd be nice to have him part of the rotation and LaMarcus Joyner you saw where he was needed as well. So, uh, yeah, w- really want all those guys, first of all, to be healthy, and two, just want to see them return to action and uh, you know be part of the rotation, if nothing else. Cleve Ferrell being the most important guy out of all of that list. And now on to my final little nugget for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. I just want you to hear what Rich Gannon, former league MVP of the Raiders, had to say about Derek Carr. He did an interview on Raiders.com for about eight minutes, and it was a really, really good interview. And uh, I hate that I forget the young lady's name that's on there. I actually saw her in the press box on Sunday, and I again, I hate that I forgot her name, but either way, she did a really good job with this interview, and I just took a little clip of it, and the reason I took it is because we've been talking about Derek Carr. My guy, P.E. in North Carolina, he called in on a, on Tuesday's show and had a lot of glowing reviews to say about Derek Carr and how happy he was with the play of Derek Carr. Well, everyone is noticing how well this young man is playing right now, and so Rich Gannon was asked about uh, Derek Carr playing. He had, he had mentioned it to begin with. He just kind of brought it up himself saying that he's playing at a really high level and probably some of the best ball he's played. And so then she basically asked him to elaborate on that. So here's Rich Gannon talking about how Derek Carr is playing in 2020.
0: Aaron, we've been talking a lot about the kind of season that Derek has had. And you know, I've mentioned it a number of times. It's what he does at the line of scrimmage to me that really makes a difference. I don't know if there's a quarterback in the game right now that has as much freedom and flexibility uh, and as much control at the line of scrimmage as, as Derek does. The NBC telecast last night did a great job. Uh, with the microphone so you can hear a lot of the, the conversation and communication between Derek and Rodney Hudson, between Derek and the tight ends. I mean he's telling everybody what to do. He's telling the offensive line, you know, what runs we're gonna run and we're gonna kill it. We're gonna check to this and we're gonna slide the line this way, you know, rip rip our rip, our rip. He's changing he's telling where the the line where to go and he and he's pointing to the, the hot receiver and he's you know, pointing to where the, the free defender's coming from. He's mm-hmm. telling Darren Waller, Darren, I need you, Darren, I need you. In other words, coming short motion, you cut the backside. He's telling the receivers, come on, come on. I mean, he's telling the backs, he tells everybody what to do. And that's not typical when you study NFL offenses. I think it's just a guy that has total command of the system. Uh, he has a great understanding of what teams are trying to do defensively. Uh, he's just an extension of John Gruden when it comes to the play calling. And I just think those guys are in sync right now. There, there's I did, there's such a, a, uh, a symmetry between the play caller and the quarterback, something we haven't seen in years with the Raiders. But I just, I think Derek deserves a lot of credit. It's as good as I have seen him play last night, extending plays, making plays when things break down, fading away from the free blitzer and throwing the ball. He, as you mentioned, he had a couple drops last night. But he was holding the football and making some big th- big throws in some critical situations. Uh, I just think this is his best season by far when you study Derek Carr.
1: So there's Rich Gannon right there talking about Raiders quarterback Derek Carr, and I couldn't agree with him more, man. I I do absolutely believe, even though 2016 is a season a lot of Raider fans will go back to and say, "Oh, he was in the MVP race." Look, Derek Carr is playing with more control and more command than he even did in 2016. He is doing an outstanding job. He really, really is. Uh, Credit Gruden for getting them on the same page with him. Getting credit Derek Carr for getting on the same page with Gruden. You know, making sure that he's knowing the ins and outs of the offense, and he's uh, he's perfecting it, like Rich Gannon said. So, uh, very excited about what Derek Carr could do moving forward. Uh, just like P.E., his call on uh, on Tuesday, uh, he said so well, you know, just like, hey man, he is, this is the guy that I've been asking for. This is the guy I've been wanting to see, and I think a lot of Raider Nation can say the same thing. This is the dude that We've all been waiting to see and we've all wanted to see, including myself, and especially with him using his legs. So I thought that that was some good stuff to bring to the table and close out segment number one with. That's uh, news and notes of the day here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. Coming up in segment number two will be part one of my crossover edition with Aaron Freeman, host of Locked On Falcons, as they're the next team up on the schedule for the Silver and Black in the ATL. So you'll hear that conversation coming up next here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. Before I get into that, though, I want to tell you about a couple of great sponsors. One, how about echelon echelon is going to help you get in shape how many of us need to get in shape and i say us because i know i am one of them i need to get in shape in a major major way nothing feels as good as a feeling of accomplishment hitting your fitness goals and feeling great about yourself the good thing echelon can get you there they offer the next generation of connected fitness bikes fitness mirrors, rowing machines, and their all-new Echelon Stride Smart Treadmill. So no matter what your favorite fitness activity is, Echelon is going to give you a fun and challenging workout from the comfort of home. Their world-class instructors will motivate you with thousands of daily live and on-demand studio-level classes, always available when you need them. And unlike their competitors, Echelon is affordable for everyone, so you can get it you can get it, and I can get it. One membership lets up to five family members all work out at the same time. Right now, you could try any Echelon Fitness equipment at home for 30 days. Well, how do you do that? Go to echelonfit.com NFL. That's echelonfit.com slash NFL. E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash NFL. I also want to tell you about protecting your family because, I mean, being in shape is one thing. You got to be in shape. You want to be the best you you can, but you also want to do a good job of taking care of your family. And I got a way to help you do that, and that is with tasers line of non-lethal self-protection devices they're all small and lightweight enough to carry with you or in a glove compartment or if you're a female in your purse and they're powerful enough to incapacitate an attacker if you have a gun you know that carries unnecessary risk for you and those around you and even pepper spray that can harm you as much as an attacker and it's usually a lot of times ineffective taser products are safer and easy to use how does it work they use an electrical charge to immobilize attackers for up to 30 seconds which gives you time to escape Send emergency dispatch to your GPS location. Taser devices come loaded with features like laser-assisted targeting, emergency dispatch, which will send response teams to your GPS location upon firing. More than 237,000 lives have been saved with the Taser network of devices, apps, and personnel. Protect yourself and your family with Taser's line of smart self-defense products. Taser is available without a permit in most U.S. states. Get the Taser Pulse Plus or Taser Strike Light at Taser.com with promo code NFL. You can save 15% now at taser.com, promo code NFL. That's T-A-S-E-R.com, promo code NFL. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Segment number two is on the way.
0: Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders.
1: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
0: Your team is every day.
1: All right, Raider Nation, here we are. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. It is time to jump into the crossover edition with Aaron Freeman, host of Locked On Falcons. And, you know, we talked for quite a while. We talked for probably about 40 minutes. And so what I'm going to do, I'm just going to bring you my conversation with Aaron about the Falcons. I'm getting my Howard Cosell on with him because, look, we talk Raiders every day here. And uh, I know I've done that uh, a few times where I've just kind of talked to the opponent uh, for a couple segments. And that's really worked out really, really well because, again, they normally Asked The other hosts normally ask questions that we talk about here on the podcast all the time. So what you're going to hear in the next two segments is me get my Howard Cosell on with Aaron Freeman and ask all things Falcons going back to last week's game against the Saints, uh, Raheem Morris as the interim head coach, Dan Quinn getting fired, uh, the health of Julio Jones, and a lot, lot more. So let's go ahead and jump right into that conversation. Joining me now on the phone lines to talk all things Raiders and Falcons is my guy, Aaron Freeman. He's the host of Locked On Falcons. You can find him on Twitter at fans. That's F A L C F A N. Of course, at before that, at F-A-L-C-F-A-N-S, at Falc fans And Aaron, thank you so much for your time, man. And I really just kind of want to start off with an overall just assessment of this team so far in 2020. Of course, they're sitting at 3-7. and seven. Uh, That's not the record that they wanted to have, obviously. Uh, had to fire the coach early on. Dan Quinn is gone. Uh, but I've seen this team put up points, man. I've seen this team find ways to lose, you know, even though they should have won certain games. So just when you look at this team overall, what, what would your feelings be?
2: Yeah, it's it's been an up and down season, a little too down, if you ask me, and, and probably most of the city of Atlanta. But, you know, they got off to that slow start. They seemed to get things back on track a little bit uh, once they got rid of Dan Quinn after the week five loss. Um, and it, it seemed like they were sort of building things. But one of the things that we talked about a lot on On Falcons over the last month when they went uh, and, and won three out of their last four games was – Is this real? Is this the Falcons beating up on maybe some questionable teams like Carolina, like Minnesota? Uh, They lost to Detroit. Um, They beat up on Denver, but again, almost lost that game in, in the final seconds as well you know, is this team when they face some of the premium competition that they're going to face? And they're they're facing a, a number of teams in the second half of the season. Last week with the Saints, they got the Raiders this week, they got the Saints after that. They got Tampa Bay twice, they got Kansas City twice. And, you know, this Chargers team seems to be building themselves up as the year goes on as well to be, a, you know, a team that's better than maybe their record indicates. And it, the question was, you know, coming out of their bye week last week, were, was this team going to be able to elevate its level of play uh, to match the quality of competition? And, and last week, our, our answer was no. And it's going to be a, another question this week, because again, that's a Raiders team that's, you know, in the thick of the, of the playoff chase uh, and, and looking at a, a wild card spot and has gone toe to toe with arguably what most people consider the best team in the league in, in Kansas city and beat them. Um, and, you know, without some last second magic from, Patrick Mahomes probably should have beat them on Sunday as well. So uh, it's it's been an up and down season because you, you sometimes you feel like with the Falcons, OK, this team is not very good. But as you mentioned, their offense has been pretty productive for the most part. But one of the things that we've noticed and this became an issue again on Sunday and it was an issue earlier in the season has been like this offense just kind of tanks and craters when Julio Jones is not healthy. And despite having Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley and Todd Gurley in 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 an up and coming offensive line, it just seems like this offense doesn't work when Julio Jones is out of lineup and he's been dealing with a hamstring injury all year long. He's missed, you know, half of last week's game or really three quarters of last week's game and, you know, roughly two and a half games earlier in the season. And when you look at the offense in those games, they've really struggled and their defense has been improving. Right. But they kind of let Taysom Hill kind of. Picked them apart to a certain extent uh, in in the second half of, of that game last week, and couldn't really slow down that Saints offense uh, without you know their their franchise quarterback and Drew Brees. And so, you know, this defense, while relative to the performance of the offense a week ago, was better, but it's not a defense that you can trust. And going up against this Raider team this weekend, you know, I, I'm not expecting them to be able to shut down as you mentioned and and, and outlined a, a, a pretty solid and all around Raiders unit.
1: Sticking with the the Falcons offense, you mentioned Julio Jones and the fact that he's been dealing with that hamstring injury off and on throughout the course of the year. Uh, I know it's early in the week still, but what does your gut tell you about his availability for Sunday? Do you think he's going to give it a go? Do you think he's going to be a, a no-go or, or what's your feeling on him?
2: Well, the, the fact that almost immediately after the game, the Falcons coaching staff said he was going to be a game time decision
1: mm.
2: makes me think that he's not going to go they kind of know that he's not going to practice this week. They kind of know that it's going to be touch and go. And essentially um, them being able to call that out so far in advance to me suggests that they're probably going to give him this week off. Um, we'll, we'll see if, if that changes over the course of this week. But my guess is that he will basically be given rest in, in that hamstring, given at least another week to heal.
1: What has been your opinion of, of Raheem Morris and, and the fact that he's the interim head coach right now after Quinn got fired? Uh, what has he done different than what Quinn was doing? And what has made him uh, maybe seem like he's given the team a little bit of life that they might not have had under Dan Quinn?
2: Well, you know, I I like Raheem Morris, uh, I, you know, I think as an individual, as a, a high character individual, he's, he's done a great job and has been impressive to me. Um, You know, for me, it's, it's one of those things where you look at some of the defensive improvement you've seen, particularly in recent weeks, where the Falcons have been a little bit more aggressive, you know, throwing blitzes at teams in order to generate and manufacture the pass rush that's been, you know, pretty off and on throughout the season. And, you know, I like that element from an X's and O standpoint. You know, one of the things that people have talked quite a bit about, you know, it's hard for me to put too much stock in, in these sort of things. But he sort of changed how the team practiced. And and it's mm-hmm. led to at least the belief and, and the suspicion from a lot of folks that, you know, this team is playing a little bit harder and playing with a little bit more accountability. We didn't really see that this past Sunday. And so you you do wonder, you know, is that something that was you know, a, a thing from week six through week nine and, and and may not be a thing moving forward. So we'll have to sort of see if this team can sort of respond uh, this weekend, you know, after a, a pretty disappointing uh, loss of the Saints uh, last week and, and whether or not Raheem can get this team up. And I think it, it's kind of an evaluation for Raheem Morris because, you know, I, I think it's highly unlikely that he's going to wind up, you know, winning enough games given the schedule as I outlined earlier um, that he's going to be able to retain the job here in Atlanta but he's certainly auditioning potentially for another gig elsewhere uh, if he can get this Falcon team you know competing at a relatively high level uh, for the remainder of this season and so I think you know This week in particular, coming off of that Saints loss and and future weeks, how competitive this team is going to be and how well they respond to some of the adversity that they're definitely going to see uh, for the remainder of the season, I think will be a a great indicator of really how good Raheem Morris is as a, a head coach
1: talking right now with Aaron Freeman, host of Locked On Falcons. You can find him on Twitter at @FalcFans as F A L C F A N S. And what was the deal as far as Taysom Hill? Taysom Hill was under center for the Saints. It wasn't Drew Brees, and he still had his way with the Falcons defense. How frustrating was that? And and, and what do you think that that Taysom Hill had that that uh, you know, just messed with the the Falcons defense uh, as much as it did?
2: Yeah, it was one of those things where early on in the game, they were doing a pretty good job containing him. They were, you know, doing a good job on the back end covering guys. And, you know, the thing with Taysom Hill that I noticed that I'm curious if other teams will be able to expose uh, for the next at least two games, uh, including one more rematch against the Falcons, um, you know, before Drew Brees is eligible to come back is, you know, it, it seems that he's processing his processing is a little slow and in, in in large part due to the, that lack of experience being sort of a drop back pocket passer and we saw that early in the game but he he hit a couple of throws as we got closer to halftime and seemed to get in a rhythm and seemed to get more comfortable and and the saints were using him Um, as a runner to get some manufactured runs in the red zone and on some uh, short yardage situations and he was effective at that and it was one of those things where I think you know Taysom Hill wasn't as impressive watching the game as his numbers would indicate but he he made the plays that he needed to make uh, in order to to win that game and you know I think it was just a matter of just a, a few too many breakdowns on the Falcons end to a few too many mental mistakes, giving up a, a, a big play right before time that set up a score there and just not being able to to really you know win on some of the early downs. Uh, One of the comments that Raheem Morris had after the game, which was, you know, he thought that the Falcons won the physical battle for a large portion of the game. And I thought, I actually think that's a a fair and accurate assessment. It just only really kind of lasted for about a quarter and a half. And then after that point, I don't think the Falcons really uh, won that battle. And I think the Saints offensive line, as well as players like Michael Thomas, uh, and, you know, they had issues with Latavius Murray. You know, they were able to keep Alvin Kamara for the most part in check, but You know, Latavius Murray was able to make a couple of plays. So I I think it was just a matter of of Taysom Hill being able to, you know, pick and choose his spots. And with the Saints defense playing as well as it did, he he didn't have to do a whole lot in order to to win that game, obviously, because the Falcons only scored nine points and none of them came after the second quarter.
1: So that's part one of my conversation with Aaron Freeman, host of Locked On Falcons, as the Raiders prepare for this game this Sunday, Raiders. Falcons. Atlanta is the location. Atlanta's sitting there at 3-7, and seven, and the Raiders are sitting there at 6-4. and four. Obviously want to improve and move on to 7-4 and four after that loss to Kansas City on Sunday. So, coming up in segment number 3, you will hear part 2 of the conversation as I continue to get my Howard Cosell on with Aaron Freeman and talk all things Falcons. That's coming up next here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. But before I get into that, I want to tell you about Built Bar. And I've been telling you about Built Bar for quite a while now. Everyone knows what Built Bar is. It's a great-tasting pro protein bar. And every protein bar can't say that they're a great tasting protein bar. Most protein bars are saying, "Yeah, we're a protein bar, but we taste like chalk or we taste like sand or we taste like dirt." Well, Built Bar does not say that because well, Built Bar is not built like that at all. Built Bar is a great tasting protein bar, 100% covered in chocolate and it's just really really good tasting, got a lot of great flavors and they even have even have check this out. Beginning Thanksgiving Day at 5 p.m., which you know is right around the corner, they even have Black Friday deals going on with Black Friday-style Built Bars. Introducing the all-new White Chocolate Bar. Hold up now! That's like that uh, Cookies and Cream Oreo candy bar, right? White Chocolate Cookies and Cream is exactly what it is. What about that? While supplies last. How about White Chocolate Salted Caramel? How about that? Right there. That gets me wanting to stop what I'm talking about right now and just go on to BuiltBar.com. Uh, and, and go ahead and order me some because those sound good especially the white chocolate cookies and cream. Ooh, come on now but uh yeah man they got all kind of hookups. that's just Black Friday they got Cyber Monday too. white chocolate cherry Sunday. white chocolate coconut deluxe two free candy cane brownie bars with uh, every item purchased. That's on Cyber Monday. On Black Friday, you can get two free candy cane brownie bars with every item purchased. Same thing. Same thing. All good. So, yeah, man, you're getting all kind of hookup just for the holidays. I like that, man. Not only do they hook you up all year long with great-tasting protein bars, now they're giving you great-tasting protein bars, brand-new flavors, and they're throwing in a little something-something on top of that as like a little holiday gift. So that's awesome, man. BuiltBar.com. Get 25% off for Black Friday. Plus, don't forget to use the promo code to get an extra percent off. And the promo code is what? Locked on. So you're getting all kinds of hookups. So you ain't got no excuse. Go do it right now. Billboard.com, 25% off for Black Friday. Plus, if you use the promo code locked on, you're gonna get extra percent off. That's what I'm talking about. Segment number three is on the way.
0: You're Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team is Every day.
1: Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast and part two of my crossover edition with Aaron Freeman, host of Locked On Falcons. And I've been getting my Howard Cosell on both in segment number two and here in this segment number three right here. And uh, let's start this one off talking about what happened to Matt Ryan on Sunday against the Saints. Eight times, Aaron, eight times Matt Ryan got sacked. How much of that was a product of the offensive line struggling? How much of of that was a product of the Saints just being a really good stinking defense getting after the quarterback?
2: Well, it's interesting is that when you look at the history of the Falcons and Saints, the F- Saints seem to always have one game where they dominate the Falcons offensive line. And that's been a pretty consistent trend going back five years like they've had I think in four out of the last five years they've had at least one game against the Falcons where they were able to sack Matt Ryan uh, at least five times uh, in those games and then the last time the Falcons played the Saints before this past Sunday they were able to sack Matt Ryan nine times hey. so you know I, I think the Falcons offensive line is not Amazing, clearly, <laughs> with, with that uh, evidence, with eight sacks, you, you can't be a good offensive line and give up that many sacks. But I do think part of it, in um, addition to some of their struggles, uh, and it was very clear that you know guys like Cameron Jordan, Trey Henderson, uh, as well as David Anyamata, were, were getting the better of, of some of their offensive linemen. But I think a lot of those sacks, uh, watching the film, I, I think were mostly on um, Matt Ryan holding onto the ball too long and, and being a little hesitant pulling the trigger on certain throws because I think the Saints were able to get some pressure early and sort of speed up his, his clock and there were plays where his cl- he was playing too fast and there was plays where he was holding on to the ball too long and playing too slow and that led to some sacks as well. So I think it's less an uh, indicator that the Falcons offensive line is, is bad and more an indicator that just the Saints kind of have their number and you're going to see one of these games as we have for like four out of the last five years where they just kind of dominate the line of scrimmage and the Falcons really have no answer for it.
1: Earlier in the show you mentioned the Raiders acquiring a couple of a couple of former uh, Falcons. One in Tack McKinley. He was waived by Atlanta earlier this year. He's been claimed twice. Uh well, actually three times now. He's been claimed by the Bengals and the 49ers. He failed the physicals with them. The Raiders now have him. What is the deal with the number the former number twenty six overall pick in the twenty seventeen draft? What went wrong with Tack in uh, in Atlanta?
2: I mean, I think the main thing is is really the reason why it seems that he's failed his physicals injuries. You know, and, and with Tack, you know, he wasn't necessarily coming out. He, his game wasn't necessarily geared to being a, a big time sack guy. He was more of a sort of a power rusher, which typically is more of a pressure guy than a guy that's going to generate a ton of sacks, uh, given some of his limitations from a, a bend standpoint in terms of finishing plays. Uh, but he, he was an effective player his first three years in Atlanta, but dealt with some injuries late last season, which, Prevented him from finishing strong, but from all accounts, you know, dropped weight, was working hard this past offseason. And if you go back and you watch that week one game against Seattle, he's terrorizing um, that Seahawk uh, offensive line and, and right tackle Brandon Schell and had recorded six quarterback hits in that game. And then, you know, got off to a pretty good start against Dallas in week two and then dealt with it and had a growing injury. And it's all sort of went out the window at that point, And he's struggled to stay healthy. In the week sense, and it seems like that growing injury is, is the primary reason why you know both the Bengals and 49ers couldn't pass him on their physicals we'll see if, if that's going to be the case and it's one of those things where once he had the growing injury and, and Raheem Moore said this uh, right before the Falcons released him that once his mind was you know some maybe frustration from the injury and his, his mind wasn't necessarily on you know football you know, so he let some of that frustration boil over, you know, went on a little bit of a Twitter tirade against the Falcons, um, you know, prior to him getting released prior uh, after not getting traded uh, at the trade deadline after sort of reports surfaced the week before that the Falcons were shopping him um, and sort of it all kind of fell apart uh, for him in that period of time. And I think, you know, had he been able to stay healthy, you um, You know, we could be talking about a completely different tack McKinley who's been, you know, playing at a high level if if he was able to continue what he did in that first game against Seattle uh, for the last, you know, nine, ten weeks. Um, You know, I think a healthy tack is a player that can add some value to this Raiders defense Um, may not be a a major sack artist, as I said, but certainly a guy that can generate a little bit of more pressure off the edge. Um, But the real big question is, can he stay healthy?
1: Right. No doubt about that. And, and what's your thoughts on Vic Beasley? I mean, that's another guy. He's a former Falcon. He had a monster season in 2016. He was good in 2019. And the rest of his career, to me, he's just been he's been OK or he's bad. You know, and I feel like the, the, the Falcons, when they changed his position or switched up the style that they used him, it kind of he started to take a little bit of a down world spiral. So what were your thoughts on, on Beasley? Uh, he went to Tennessee. That didn't shake out. Now he's in Las Vegas.
2: Well, I mean, BC is an interesting player because, you know, I think in that 2016 season, he had a lot of sack production, led the NFL in 15 and a half sacks. But I think a lot of that was due to facing some subpar offensive tackles and, and feasting on the Ty Sambrelos of the world, uh, who wound up in Atlanta shortly thereafter. <laughs> um, and, you know, sort of a, a level of production that wasn't necessarily re- repeatable. Um, and we saw some of that regression uh, in 2017. A lot of people blame that on, you know, he was being asked to be more of a, a linebacker due to some injuries there and, and be a stand-up rusher in the Falcons. Essentially, we're using him similarly to how the Seattle Seahawks used to use uh, Bruce Irvin as sort of a, a two-down linebacker and then on third downs, putting his hand in dirt and rushing the quarterback. And I actually thought that was kind of the better role for Beasley, but then the Falcons kind of were like, no, we're going to try to get Beasley back to being his Uh, pass rushing self in in 2018 and made him a pure defensive end and he did not respond well uh the falcons uh sort of you know went all in on beasley in 2019 with dan quinn taking a more of a personal stake in sort of getting him to play better and he did respond with a a better season and and a a better year than he had the two previous years but i I think really the main issue with vic beasley is he's a a great athlete but he's an undersized guy you know he's kind of a one-note speed rusher and his speed rush is not like particularly polished or or well developed in terms of his footwork. And, you know, his, his size makes it hard for him to, you know, disengage against offensive tackles that are often, you know, got 80 pounds of muscle on him. And I think, you know, the best uses of him, is sort of being more of that stand-up linebacker and allowing him to use his speed and athleticism to try to make plays in space, whether that's spying mobile quarterbacks, maybe that's covering tight ends. He's shown an ability that he can do that uh, from time to time, Um, rather than asking him strictly to be a pass rusher, because I just think at the end of the day, his ceiling as a pass rusher, despite some of the production he's had, is, is lower than I think a lot of people really sort of realize. And so I think that's a big reason why it didn't work out in Tennessee because they were looking for someone to provide that juice off the edge opposite Harold Landry and and with Jadavion Clowney. And I just don't think that's really what BZ going to provide. And, you know, I, I think if that's what the Raiders are looking for him, You know, for the remainder of the season, I think you're going to probably be a little disappointed with
1: that. Well, it should be interesting. Both Tack McKinley and Vic Beasley now member of the Silver and Black uh, after having uh, careers with the Atlanta Falcons. And Beasley, like I mentioned, went on with the Tennessee Titans as well. Uh, Very, very interesting to see how those guys uh, enter the fold if they enter the fold and what they could do. Uh, for the Raiders. Final question for you, Aaron, is uh, you know a lot of people will just look at the Falcons and they'll just kind of see the three and seven record and say say that oh the coach has already been fired. Uh, this happened. This happened. The the Saints have uh, dominated them. Uh, this team must stink. But what is the element of this team that the Falcons have that many people would be surprised to know about?
2: Well, I think you know right now, given the question marks surrounding Julio Jones. And, and whether his presence on the offense will impact there, I, I think really right now the defense does give you a little bit of, uh, of promise here. You know, you, we talked about the Raiders' um, offense being predicated on a run. The, the Falcons' run defense is arguably one of the best-performing elements of their team. Um, and then if they can sort of slow down the Raiders' run game on those some of those early downs and then be able to – you know, dial up those blitzes on, on some third downs, third and longs and whatnot. I think this Falcons defense could surprise some folks and and potentially throw a wrench into this uh, Raiders offense that seems to be clicking on all cylinders at this current point. So I, I think if there's anything that could surprise this weekend, you know, because I don't think Calvin Ridley or Julio Jones or Matt Ryan sneaking up on anybody right. uh, from an a, a evaluation standpoint, you know, I, I think this Falcons defense could at least in theory look a little bit better than maybe people are expecting
1: so it sounds to me as long as well it sounds to me like the raiders need to try their best to stay ahead of the chains in this game because if not then the falcons have an opportunity to pin their ears back and they're able to get after the quarterback if they could do that
2: absolutely yeah
1: there it is. Good stuff right there. Aaron Freeman, host of Locked On Falcons. You can find him on Twitter, at Falcfans, at F-A-L-C-F-A-N-S. And here with me on the Locked On Raiders podcast, Locked On Falcons podcast, as it is crossover week. Uh, we're doing it a day early because it's Thanksgiving week, but uh should be fun in the NFL. Aaron, great stuff as always. My man, definitely appreciate you.
2: Always fun to chat with you, Q, and always enjoy hearing you on Fridays on Locked On NFL.
1: So there it is right there. That was uh, the crossover edition. It's a done deal. Raider Nation Uh, host of uh, Locked On Falcons, Aaron Freeman. That was the guest right there. You can find him on Twitter, at Fans. Definitely appreciate his time and his insight on the Atlanta Falcons. The next team up for the Silver and Black Uh, should be a good game. I do think it's going to be a very good game, a game that the Raiders should definitely win, but I think it's going to be a really good game come Sunday in the ATL, in the Dirty Dirty. So uh, very excited about that. And again, many thanks to Aaron for joining me right there on the show and, and giving me a little bit of extra of his time so we can go ahead and just talk Falcons throughout the course of the show. So uh, coming up tomorrow, well, it's Thursday. So tomorrow is Thanksgiving. So enjoy your Thanksgiving with your family. Uh, be safe. Make sure you, uh, you, you really enjoy yourself and enjoy your time because, uh, again, you just kind of really never know, uh, you know, when you might not get that time to, to enjoy with your family anymore. So you got to take advantage of it. While you can, so make sure you uh, you do that. If you haven't done it already, make sure you do it in a major way tomorrow. Uh, enjoy your Thanksgiving. Be safe. We'll be back with, here on the on uh, the Locked On Raiders podcast on Friday with some keys to the game. How I think that the Raiders go into the game and get a victory against the Falcons. We'll do that on Friday. It'll be Black Friday, so if you're out there and you're going to go shopping and do all that stuff, I don't know if it's online or, or if you go to the stores or not. Be safe while you're out there. A lot of crazy folks out there, a lot crazier than me. So uh, be careful. Be careful while you out there and, and take care of yourself so enjoy your Thanksgiving Raider Nation as always just win baby